You're listening to the Alpha Buddha Podcast, bringing you the knowledge and expertise from specialists in the fields pertaining to fitness, romance, finances, and positive psychology, dedicated to helping you discover your true potential and live your best life. This is your host, Sonny Savage. In this episode... I am joined by a very special guest, an executive coach coming all the way out from the Midwest of the United States of America, David Young. David, thank you so much for joining us. Could you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Like, how did you get into coaching? What is exactly you do as an executive coach? Just kind of like walk us through there for a minute. Okay. Uh, thanks, Sonny. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Um, so yeah, my name is David, and I actually got started doing uh, intelligence analysis. I was living in China and doing that kind of work. I studied Chinese in grad school, <clears throat> and it was basically um, just doing a lot of analysis on Chinese social media, yeah, and that's kind of how I got started. And then my life transitioned. I became a pastor, got into ministry, got into counseling, and then from that space, I got into coaching. And now I work as an international speaker, so I've been around the world, I've spoken to audiences of as small, small executive teams to a thousand people. And uh, I do executive coaching for teams. And what that looks like is I come into an organization and I see what's dysfunctional or not working. And then I flip the organization or I'll turn it around. And I really believe that by turning around teams, uh, you can turn around a whole organization. And uh, I guess the main goal of what I'm doing is I'm trying to create a culture of wholeheartedness inside organizations and also inside individuals. And, and that's kind of what I focus on. Well, that's good stuff. And uh, yeah, of course, uh, the topic of this discussion today is we're going to be discussing the flow state. Now, can you describe what the flow state is for some of my listeners that may not know exactly what we're talking about just by hearing flow state? Well, what is the flow state? Uh, So uh, the flow state is a neurological condition that your body gets into, or it's a state of mind and body that you get into. So that um, chemically, you're producing a lot of endorphins, a lot of dopamine, sometimes a lot of oxytocin. And what the experience is, is that time disappears. Also, your sense of identity disappears. Mm-hmm. And you're, you have a access to a lot of energy. And you're able to keep on performing the same task for a long period of time. So a lot of times, athletes will experience the flow state where time disappears and they're just at a level of peak performance. Um, another ex- popular example is a painter. When they're painting or creating art, you kind of lose track of time. And that can be whatever your art is, whether it's not painting, if it's programming, and you lose track of time when you're creating your art. Uh, and the flow state, during that state, we find out that the brain is much more productive. There's higher levels of neuroconnectivity in your brain, meaning you're able to access your memories, access other information and other parts of your brain. So you're actually a more creative thinker and you're more a uh, productive thinker. Uh, physiologically, your body has less stress on yourself. There's less inflammation. So your body is actually able to physically go longer, go farther uh, from an athletic standpoint. And emotionally, there's a sense of joy uh, at what mm-hmm. you're doing. And so uh, I, I would, the best way to say is that the flow state is kind of like play. And studies now show that uh, the brain state of play is more productive than the brain state of work. And hard work, struggle, 
focusing uh, is the traditional way that we think of getting things done. And then if you're not working, then you're not being productive. And we just, the, the idea of working, what we really call it is, is if you're not in a state of force and struggle and tensing your body, then you're not being productive. And now modern neuroscience is showing us that actually the state of play, which we norm normally associate with not being productive, not getting anything done and not working is actually a highly productive state, actually a highly effective state and you get more done. And there's, a, there's less tension in the body, there's an openness, and uh, there's not as much worry or fear, and they're finding that the work state actually is coming from a sense of fear or scarcity. Hmm. So, so to sum just, up, Sorry, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, was just, um, I had some questions were coming up as you were describing that. And it sounds almost like that if you create an environment for play for your, your teammates, your coworkers, your employees, that based on what you're saying, it increases the chances of them experiencing the flow state, which will actually boost productivity as opposed to telling them to, you know, try harder and like be more productive by command. Um, you know, I hear rumors about like the Google headquarters having like these beanbag rooms or like, you know, like a little old, like what do they call them? like retro arcade rooms or like slides and stuff. like. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen any tours, but it kind of sounds like they're trying to create that environment of play in a more traditional office sense. I mean, exactly. is that more or less what you're saying? It's like a, just a, um, a different I, way. I think, I think in a way, I think you're kind of getting the world of it. Um, I think one point that's important to add and often something I'll add to the clients that I'm coaching, because a lot of times when I'm sitting uh, with an executive and they're in finance and the whole idea of creating a space of play sounds foreign and alien and honestly laughable. And so I think it's important to qualify what I mean by play. And um, play is merely a, a, a state in which the activity that you're doing, you're able to continue doing that activity for an indefinite amount of time and the activity itself gives you pleasure. Mm. And so play doesn't have to necessarily mean that it's casual and it also doesn't have to mean that it's joking. Um, play can be very intense. Play can have a high level of exer exertion. So like an athlete skiing down a mountain slope, he's playing, even though there's a high degree of focus, a high degree of exertion. And so it doesn't just mean that you're kind of uh, wasting time. It's the state of mind that you're in that we're looking for. And that's what we mean by play. Yeah, and that's so, so true. That's so true. Because you, you never hear anybody saying, oh, these NFL athletes, they're working football. They right. play football. They don't work football. You know, so it's like it's, yeah, it is their job. But they, even though it's an intense struggle, it's still a state of play. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Hmm. So what the, because here's, I keep hearing this all the time, right? This is like, this has become so popular these days is the hustle culture. The more mm -hmm. you hustle, the, the better off you'll be. I, I even joined a Facebook group. I'm not going to say the whole name because you know uh, legal, legal issues, or I, I don't know what what could come my way. But anyway, in their name was hustle, right? Mm -hmm. and it was about like creating alternative you know streams of revenue um, between your nine to five. And I was just thinking to myself, yeah, this this whole hustle culture has really taken deep roots, and we've bought into this mantra that if you just destroy yourself, you will find yourself on the other side of that self-destruction in paradise, which 
based upon what you're telling me, that's not how that works. Yeah, it's a bit of a paradox because the idea is that <clears throat> the whole thing with play is that there's no goal. There's no reason why you're playing. You're playing because it's fun to play. Mm. And so um, it's kind of counterculture to this idea that if I accomplish my goal, then I'll be happy. And um, right now, the neuroscience is showing us that if the goalpost for happiness is always behind success, what happens is you get your, you, you reach success and the goalpost for happiness moves a step further. And then you reach another goal for success and, this, and, the, and then happiness moves a step further. And they're finding out that it's more important that you're happy first and that you're happy in the process to getting there. And then paradoxically, you actually produce higher results and you get to the goal faster. And so it's like you went all around. It's almost like there's two sides of the coin. Uh, <clears throat> the work side of the coin is like this commitment to seeing your life as serious and as scarcity <clears throat> and that life requires hard work and effort and struggle. And that's, that's a whole, that's a, a paradigm or a worldview. And it's also seeing play and even rest as distractions from effectiveness and efficiency. So that's one side of the coin, like kind of like this work mindset. Mm -hmm. um, the play mindset is just like a commitment to having a life of play. And it can be serious play, by the way. It doesn't just mean like just casual, but it's a commitment to improvisation, a commitment to play, a sense of like laughter in what you're doing and seeing life as it's unfolding easily and you're actually working with life versus working against something so like in the hustle cult in the hustle culture i don't have a i don't have any problem with like working a 15 hour a day but the point is at the end of that 15 hour a day and during that 15 hour a day how'd you feel um and if it feels like you're burnt out and exhausted then chances are you might be working and are in this mindset of work and it's neurologically taxing to your body mm. and um but during that 15 hours, by the end of it, you feel jazzed and you feel excited and it feels like, man, I can't wait for my head to bounce off the pill the next day so I can jump right back into it. Um, that's the kind of energy that actually is life-giving to play. Um, yeah, even if your we, body is physically exhausted. We yeah. don't have that culture here in Germany. Not at all. Like we, we, the German people, right? Now, I'm not German. I'm an American living in Germany. You, you know that. Um, but the, the thing is, Germans... They're hardworking people. Like, let's not get that twisted. They're very hardworking people. But they, the people that I've encountered, you know, working at the hospital as a paramedic, they all almost unanimously have this kind of disdain for their work. Even, and, it's, and it seems to be like a part of the culture because it's, like, it's just that mindset of like, you just, you put in your time, you get the job done, and then you go home and then you get to live your life. And it's so much to that, 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 that mindset is prevalent that we even have a word for when you get off work. It's called Feierabend. Feierabend means like literally translates into like celebration evening. So like, as far as I know, we don't have a word for specifically getting off work in English aside from my shift has ended or I got off work. So I found it really fascinating that like the Germans went out of their way to specifically name what getting off work is because, and have it mean like the celebration of the evening. Finally, they're free from their labor. Mm -hmm. hmm. That old school thinking. Yeah. And I don't think it's entirely unjustified. I think a lot of the, a lot of the opportunity and the ability to access the flow state really has to do with the merit of the age that we live in. Mm. Um, because the idea comes from the traditional idea of work. What's underlying it is that I am doing something that I don't want to do. Mm. And so like my heart, my body, my mind, under most circumstances, I just don't want to do this thing. And I'm going to force myself to do this thing 
because I have to. And so there's this idea of um, we begin to associate that kind of a, that negativity and that sense of if I don't do this thing, then I'm a bad person. So there's like shame wrapped up around the idea of working. And so now, even though we live in an age where it's possible to build a life doing what you love, or at least being uh, living, spending most of your time doing what you love doing, um, <clears throat> we still have this kind of residue from the past where if I don't feel like a sense of uh, I've ran away from shame or reduced my shame in my life by working and doing something I don't want to do or justified my own value by doing something I don't want to do, then it isn't really productive and it's not, it doesn't count as work. And, um, and I think that in the past, that's kind of how we had to live in order just to survive. But we live in a different age where um, through like technology, we actually have a lot of choices available to us, at least a lot of people in, in the modern world. And so uh, it reminds me of a mantra that a mentor once told me. He said, uh, if there's a have to and I can't turn it into a want to, then it's a don't do. Mm. And um, I, I really try to live by that because it doesn't mean that, you know, unless I, unless I want to do it, then I'm not going to do it. It's like I look at the things that I have to do and how can I change my perspective on those things? Um, like I don't enjoy doing back, back end office spreadsheet work, but there are things that I, I don't say I have to do. I say there are things that I get to do. And if I look at how can I do turn these things into a way that I love them. And so for me, what it looks like is I get to listen to music that I love. Um, I do them while I'm dancing or while I'm standing up. And I turn it into an activity where the goal is not necessarily to get the work done. I'm more paying, I'm paying more attention to the state I'm in while I'm doing the work versus just the work itself. Because mm. <clears throat> uh, the state that I'm in is going to be more rewarding than just saying, okay, now the work is done. And it's a... Uh, it's just a longer return. Like if you have a half an hour activity and you're only going to feel good for five minutes, once that half an hour activity is accomplished, um, it's kind of like a, a low payoff. But if you're going to enjoy the entire 30 minutes and feel good once it's done for the rest of the day, because you enjoyed the, the result and the process that you took to get there, it's just a, it's just a higher payoff in the end. All right. Well, the, the thing is like, this is what so many people tell me, right? When I say, Hey, Warren Buffett said, that if you ever go on vacation, if you ever need to go on vacation from the job that you currently have, don't come back because right. it's not a good fit. And I said, I mean, I, I gave that quote out a few times at the hospital. Well, that wasn't a good idea <laughs> in hindsight. Uh, and the, the re response I got from one of my coworkers was like, oh, well, that's easy for him to say. He's a multi-billionaire. Us normal people, we can't just do what we want for a living we have to work and i was like yeah that's absolutely not true like we all have that potential to be doing something that we're passionate about and finding a way to monetize that as well especially in this new day and age with um the 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 internet and like free information being available we have more opportunities now than ever before in human history to pursue a project of passion that can also potentially pay the bills. So I think what a lot of people need to overcome is this mental hurdle that they can find a way to gamify their main source of income. Even if it doesn't necessarily mean leaving their current place of employment, they can approach it in a different way where they can see their work as play or find something entirely different that they thoroughly enjoy the process. And they're not necessarily worried about getting paid for it because the process itself is the reward. Yeah, exactly. And um, I'm also not saying that everybody needs to be like a freelance blogger, life coach type of person. Um, 
but it's, it's more like an internal commitment to uh, expressing who you are in the world. So you might currently be at a job that you don't particularly enjoy. And then if you had a choice, uh, you'd rather be doing something else uh, if you can make the same amount of income. But the point is, uh, where are you committed to going and where are you committed to heading toward? If, if you know that you're in a process of unfolding yourself, expressing yourself, and that everything you do along the way is helping you get there, then all of a sudden that job that you don't like is it stops becoming something that I hate or I don't want to do. It becomes the thing that is getting me to where I want to be. And people just start to, to honor your own journey and honor the path that you're on and make it more sacred. Um, and, and you actually start to, you don't sweat as much things. You don't get as upset because if you're not in the place where you're meant to be, like, it's okay. I'm not going to be here very long. I'm going to be moving on to the next thing. And, um, there's a sense of knowing that you're in progress, that you're in the progress process of becoming. Mm. And the flow state is about enjoying that process of becoming along the way. Mm. Versus, yeah, I, I don't like my job. Yeah. Didn't, didn't it's like, versus, I don't like my job. I'm never going to leave. My life is not going to change. And even if I do get a better job, it's just going to be another form of the same kind of work that I don't want to be doing. Yeah, that, that quiet desperation that people live with, that, that feeling of being stuck and nothing's ever moving forward. But by adopting this flow state, people can be liberated from that because they know that they're, they're progressing towards something. Is right. that what you're saying? Right. So you can kind of be liberated into knowing that you're moving in a new direction. <clears throat> but it's scary. I mean, there's a reason why people don't do that because it's, I think there's a fear of, uh, there's, there's both a fear of moving out of that realm of comfort that we had at the kind of job, even if it's miserable, as long as it's reliable, we can kind of stay there as long as we need to um, mm-hmm. because we're used to it and familiar with it. But the idea of like, I'm going to begin committing to living my best life and manifesting that and seeing how that looks in the world structurally with my time, with my money and how I, how I behave in my relationships. Um, it's a scary thing to kind of uh, start looking at who am I really, and then start expressing that. And mm-hmm. so um I think that's more of the, the scary thing. And I think a lot of times I talk to people and they, they'll say like, I'm cynical or I'm realistic, but I think the reality is that you're gutless. Mm, um, it's just scary to take that stuff out. And it's also, it's not like it making up a courage. It does. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage and there is a lot of fear, especially in the beginning of like stepping out of that. It's like, um, there's an experiment with fleas in a jar and if the fleas always jump out of the jar, but then if you put a lid on the jar, uh, the fleas will jump and hit the lid and eventually they'll always jump just under the lid. I think we live in an age where it's possible for us to have take, take the lid off of our life, but we're kind of conditioned into living in the same way and it's comfortable and it's what we know. And we don't realize we could get out of that jar and start living our lives. Mm. Yeah. Now there's, I want to segue a little bit on this, this topic of flow, because we've discussed a lot about like the, the neuroscience behind it and the clear benefit of adopting a flow state, but being in a flow state, from my own personal experience, it feels very, very different than what I'm used to. It's almost creepy in a way because (laughs) when I'm in that flow state, I'm not consciously thinking, you know, there's not this kind of like voice in my head that's ticking away, telling, like narrating my life. I'm just kind of like in this state of continuous motion, getting things done and no, almost intuiting what it is I have to do next and then doing that thing effortlessly. But it almost feels like in a way I'm not doing it. It feels like there's something else like living through me. And how this was explained to me was um, 
our brains actually pre-calculate our decisions before we are even consciously aware of what it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I can't say this for sure because I, I don't think there's mm-hmm. anything else living my life but me. But in that flow state, I'm not uh, consciously aware about what I'm going to do next. Just how like you can't consciously think of what you're going to think next until you thought it. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, can you can you share a little bit about your experience in the flow state? Like how if you can relate to it, almost feels like there's something else living your life through you or for you. Right. I think it more feels like life is living me. It's probably mm-hmm. a better way to think versus you living life. And it's it's more about the relationship that you have to life alters. And so um, most people's relationship to life is that you are trying to like dominate the elements. You're trying to conquer things. You're trying to conquer life and you're in competition with life basically. And you're trying to carve out your piece of the pie along with everybody else. And so life is kind of a struggle and you're literally in struggle and in resistance to life. Like almost like life is trying to take you down and you're fighting against it. And um, so that's kind of like the opposite of a flow state. When you're in the flow state, it feels like you're in a dance with life and that you're literally co-creating with life. And um, the experience is literally like the air around you, the projects that you're interacting with, the people that you're interacting with, all start to show up as ways that life is supporting you. And um, like it's, I love the quote when they say, life isn't, doesn't happen to you, life is happening for you. And it becomes like literally every experience is there for you to get you to where you want to go in your life. And so <clears throat> when that happens, you don't have to be there. You don't, you're, when life is working together with you, you don't have to be the biggest player in your life because life is the biggest player. So you can kind of like ease up a little bit because, hey, all of life is supporting you to get you where you want to go. You don't have to worry as much about it. And so when that happens, <clears throat> your ego, your sense of identity decrease. And then whatever activities you're going to be doing just happen. And it's not like you're doing them anymore. They're just mm. being done. And that can be as simple as like, it's like when you're cooking a meal and you're in the flow state, like when you love what you're doing and you love what you're cooking, it's very different from this feeling of like, I got to plan this project and I don't want to do it. And I got to think about every step and every step is tedious. When you're cooking a meal that you love, it kind of just happens and you enjoy the process and time flows by. And by the time you're done, there's a beautiful meal and you love what you created. And it's almost like it got kind of got created with you. Mm. Yeah, I can relate to that. And basically, so basically what you're saying, it, it, it sounds like the way you describe life is it's like a river and we can swim against that stream or we can flow with that stream. And when we flow with that stream, we have all of that inertia and that momentum like pushing us along as opposed to us trying to use the minimal energy that this one person has to swim against that current. And both, both, ways, are, both ways are viable <clears throat> options. But in the flow state, we get far more productivity, the sense of almost abundant, unlimited energy, creativity, and focus with little to no willpower at all. I mean, at least that's been my personal experience. Yeah, because like you, you already are a part of life. I mean, you have a physical body. Your body is already a part of life, and life is already happening. I mean, you don't see like birds or trees or anything like trying to hustle to make it happen. They just mm. grow. And so like <clears throat> the idea is that it's not a uh, life is already here. Life is already happening and your body is actually a part of that world. I think the real issue is most of the time is that life is here and we aren't. Mm. Um, and I think it's like for people who are spiritual or have that kind of belief, they'd use the word God. It's like God is all around us. And it's not that God's not in my life. It's that I'm not in my life. You know, it's like life is here, but I'm not here in my life. 
<clears throat> and um, since we're not really present, we're just kind of stuck in our heads and our heads are just a completely different world, really separate from the rest of life. And so mm. you don't taste the food that you're eating. You don't notice that you're breathing. And like a, a huge a, a phrase or a mantra, I work with clients a lot. I was like, did you forget that you're alive today? Did you notice that you're alive today? Um, because like your, your body's here, like there's tissue, there's molecules, there's atoms, there's difference. Like it's, it's, it's connected to everything else that's going on around you. And get like, hey, wake up, show back up in your body, enter life again. And uh, when you show up, your ego starts to dissipate and calm down. And most people are just kind of in their heads and it, or in their brains more like it. And your, your brain is just a problem solving tool. And it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant tool and you need it. But most people do not use their minds. Their, their, brain, their minds use them mm. most of the time. And so for all intents and purposes, people are their minds. And uh, the mind is a problem-solving tool. And when you are living inside of a problem-solving tool, your life is just a bunch of problems. And oh, that's, uh, like, that's really interesting because basically it sounds like that analogy when, when your only tool is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Exactly. Mm. And so when you meet people, it's like it can be very subtle or it can be intense and extreme. But it's like, even like, how am I going to get home? How am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do in this interview? How am I going to get this project done on time? How am I going to do this? It's just like a constant array of problems. And the issue with living from that kind of place is that the underlying assumption or truth of what's the next problem or what's this problem is that there's something wrong with life or something wrong with me, but something is wrong. And that's the first place you come from. And if that's the fundamental assumption that you have for life, that something is wrong, your whole life becomes about fixing it. But you can't fix it because the fundamental assumption is that something is wrong. So all mm. you can do is just keep trying to fix other things, and it's exhausting. Yeah, Lao Tzu talked about this in the, um, in, his, in the book he wrote, the Tao Te Ching. He's talking about the art of non-doing. You know, like, like trees, they just naturally grow. Um, like the animals, they just kind of go on their own um, path. And it says, you know, we can get so much done if we can also adopt that way of non-doing by getting present and being in that state of what's happening right now. And I think what you're talking about is like so powerful that illustrates that point that once we get out of our heads and get present to what's going on, then we can really understand that there really isn't any problem that needs to be fixed. It's just an opportunity to play and rediscover uh, a different way of looking at it. That's right. Well, that's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, and I, and you know, just for um, and also when you when you're on the ground trying to practice this, like oftentimes people will say, "All right, I've got it. I'm going to get out of my head. I'm just going to get present." And usually, some of the first things that happen is there's like a, a calming sensation, but also there's a lot of unfelt emotions that come up. So sometimes I'll sit down with someone and there'll be terror or sadness or shame because. Mm. Um, a lot of things that show up in your body are actually like a lot of unfelt emotions and scariness. And so sometimes just sitting and breathing for a while, like 10 to 15 minutes, you'll notice feelings come and feelings go and they don't need to be solved. Feelings don't need to be solved. They just need to be felt. That's why they're called feelings. Mm. Um, they're literally physical sensations and they go through the body just like air and water and food. Um, and there's a brilliant study that I love, and it talks about how uh, physical sensation, physical emotions on the body, um, when you're in an open state and in a flow state, they only last for 90 seconds on the surface of the body, really? and then they pass through. Um, wow. But when you're not, when you're not present, when you're not in a flow state, what happens is you get emotionally constipated, and so nothing is flowing. 
So oftentimes when someone first gets present after maybe not being present for a solid two and a half weeks or maybe their whole life, um, <laughs> what they notice is like there's like a lot of emotional constipation and they freak out because these emotions start welling up like in waves. Wow. And, um, but they never last more than 10 minutes. The thing is, if you're able to sit through and just allow them to pass through because nothing is wrong with them, your body's just feeling things like it's no different from a stomach ache or stubbing your toe. It waves through it and passes out. And once they pass through, there's this place of calm and also a, a fullness. Like you actually feel like you're, you're in your body now and you mm. feel like a fullness and an, and an embodiedness about who you are. <clears throat> and it's not, you don't, in that state, you don't just experience more well-being. Uh, mentally, you're more sharp. So you find that you don't have as much difficulty making decisions. You make quick and simple and easy decisions because they're not complicated anymore for you because you're all the way there. Um, and meetings, emotionally, you're able to figure out what's missing, what needs to be done. You're able to solve problems and also you're able to locate the right problems. Mm. And um, <laughs> I'd say the most surprising thing that um, I have clients, that clients experience when they're practicing these tools is that many of the problems that they thought that they had to solve, they don't. And the problems actually leave them in uh, different ways. So, and like literally, like they're having an issue with uh, an employee that's not, not working really well. What am I going to do with this employee? And once they actually start to relax and ease into things, or most of the staff, um, I've had staff people just leave. They realize, actually, this isn't the right place for me. I'm realizing it doesn't work for me. And they were the problem staff. Like problems literally leave. Um, mm -hmm. Also, or something will just happen in the company where something's not working well between sales and production and sales is over-promising um, what production can actually offer. And then production and sales are upset with each other. And then uh, once they start to ease into a sense of wholeness, and getting present and showing up, they notice that there's actually another issue that they can look into. Once they provide that, there's actually a whole different way of producing the product and it erases all the problems that were there before. And um, problems just start to leave you when you're present. Um, because it's not like, you know, trees don't look like have like a to-do list of all these problems that they're trying to do. They're just being trees and there's yeah, a whole... Yeah, I think it, we're really getting the opportunity to discover what it means to be human in the world um, when we're not just spending the majority of our time trying to survive. Yeah, it's stuck in the head as well. Yeah. Wow. So uh, b before we wrap this up, because we're kind of running out of time, uh, I just wanted you to share a quick short story that you were telling me earlier, but really expand upon it, how like when you just surrendered to the flow state, like there was all these interesting things that started happening and it felt like life started living through you. Could you just share a little bit about that? Because that was like really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a series of things. So I think to be fair, I don't wake up in the flow state. I don't like wake up into harmony and Zen peace and just like Buddha my way through the day. Right. Um, you know, but it's what I do is I intentionally take about an hour to an hour and a half to meditate and uh, move my body so that I'm fully there. And that's what I do every day. And I've been doing that uh, every day religiously for almost since uh, it's been about four four months going on five months now. And uh, just magical stuff has started happening in my life. Um, one of the things was traveling with my, my children. And so, um, particularly my oldest son, he's eight years old and I wanted to be able to travel to travel with him, but I work and he goes to school. And so I just stopped. I was, I didn't think of it as a problem to solve. I just said, okay, well, I know this is an intention I have. I'm going to keep going about my day and see what happens. And then boom, next thing that happens, I discover a school that has a completely different mindset around educating children. And the principal says, you know what? Your son's going to learn a lot more traveling with you than he's going to learn in school. And I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, let me tell you, most of our students are three to four grade levels above their actual age. 
and they spend less time actually working on those classes and they get them done quicker. Yes, I am sure. Take your son traveling with you. And I'm like, that's crazy. And I'm like, how am I going to get to the school? Where is it at? She's like, it's eight minutes away. I'm so happy to see you. Don't worry. We'll sign you up. Am I too late? Don't worry about it. We'll work with you. And that happened uh, literally after I finished the meditation. And then I'm like, okay, great. This, the, I, might, I can take my son traveling with me. Um, but I also am going to be working. I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to be speaking. And I know I'm going to have fun with my son before and after I'm working. But what am I going to do during the event? And then I get a phone call from uh, a family friend. And this person says, you know, I was interested in, in what you've been up to lately and what's going on. And if there's any way that I can help. And I said, well, these are the things I need help with. And I, I kind of talk about the work and the program and what can be done. And this person says, you know, I got to be Michael's camp counselor over the summer. And I'm not really interested in doing any of that work stuff that you said. But one thing I would love to do is to babysit your son. Could I do that? That would just like make my day. I would love to do that. I would love to just take a trip out there and find my way to get there. Is that okay? Could I do that for you? And in my mind, I'm like, what in the world is going on? Because I had just been thinking about that the day before. And then um, also like magically finances started showing up. I actually started getting paid from clients from before. Like, hey, we forgot to give you this amount or we forgot to give you this amount. And I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, yeah. Can we, just, can we give you that money? Which is a weird question. People are saying, hey, can I give you some money for this thing? And it just kind of balanced out the plans that I had for traveling. Yeah. And so um, there's a sense of being, that, that intention got fulfilled and I didn't have to force it to happen. Um, there's still like, tasks that get done and, and I'm still like logging tasks and storing them where they need to be stored and making sure that I don't forget them. But I'm not fighting with life to get what I want anymore. Mm. Um, it's like a, I really I'm learning how to trust and embrace life and I'm finding life actually embraces you back. And um, it's been like amazing. And that's like that. I mean, I could give you like 10 stories like that that have happened in the past month. But uh, that's well, kind we'll of have to have you back on to share yeah. more. But uh, yeah, so, um, and then the last thing I wanted to ask you is for those of my listeners who are really curious about the flow state and they would like to try doing some exercises at home that would help them get into this flow state more regularly, what would be your best recommendation for them? Like, where should they put their focus? Where should they practice this? Hmm. Um, I say best places to practice or start finding a meditation practice that you can begin doing on your own at home. Uh, there's a few apps that are really great. One is called Headspace. So you can start getting into the uh, practice of meditation. Another one is Calm. Uh, another app is called Insight Timer. It's my personal favorite. Um, and just begin setting up a meditation practice. Um, I recommend doing something physical before you meditate. Uh, oftentimes we have a difficulty turning off our minds when we initially sit down and there's just chaos. So I'm um, doing like a five minute exercise, um, even doing a bunch of burpees really quickly before you sit down to meditate can radically alter your experience of your meditation. And, um, and then the other thing is like to play um, and to dance, um, something that you're doing with music and you can actually let yourself be in your body. And um, a dance when you can be fully present, don't dance in a way where you're like, you like literally just lose yourself, but find a dance that you really feel like you can, you can be fully there and then uh, be in your body. So dance, meditation, and some like physical activity before you do your meditation are great ways mm. to get started. Thank you. Yeah, those, those are some really good tips. Well, David, I'd like to thank you once again for joining us. Is, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience? Like if they wanted to get in contact with you or any like special projects that you're working on, could you let us know that uh, us about these, these projects you have or ways we can contact you? 
Uh, sure. Uh, if you want to come see me live, I'm going to be in New Hampshire on November 2nd. You can check out gowholehearted.com. Uh, so I'll be there. I'll be working with uh, uh, one of my business partners. Her name is Heather Tallheimer. So we're going to be doing a seminar there. You can check me out there. Cool. Um, and you can also reach out to us on social media through that website. That's gowholehearted.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much, David, for joining uh, you've been an absolute delight to have. And I also wanted to thank everybody who's listening. Like truly, you, you could have been listening to anything else, but you decided to listen to this. And for that, I truly appreciate it. We'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.